0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're going to start a brand new series today called uh, "It's just called interfacing." Yeah, that's, a that's a typo. That's interesting. We'll fix that. It some close to the other. it was well. That other one was interacting, but this is interfacing. That's no, okay. Just it's fine. I just explained it. It's all good. This is actually interfacing, and it's number one. So. Um, uh, and, and interfacing, you know, you think that's an interesting term. The, uh, to interface um, means to... Um, ha- it's sort of the idea of connecting two things together. To be an interface is to help something connect to something else. And what I want to talk about in the weeks ahead is the idea that, that um, part of our mission is to serve as an interface between um, the kingdom of God and, and, and the lost. And what that looks like, and um, there's a couple of aspects to it. Sort of how we live is part of it, but the words that we speak are also another big part of that. And I want to balance it too. And we're gonna sort of look at First Peter two um, in this series as the foundation for that, and we'll dig into that in a moment. Um, you know, in the in the last series, we spent most of that time looking at the great commandment of Jesus: love, uh, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself, and we we. We spent 13 weeks talking about that. We'll, we'll dig into the meat of First Peter 2 uh, in the weeks ahead to help us with this idea of what it means to interface well, to be inner, to, to interface in the mission that we have. But before we do that and dig in, I've got a couple of things because I always do a couple of things in between. You heard? Have you heard about the recent crime wave that they've been having at all those multi-story parking garages? Yeah, it's, just, it's wrong on so many levels. A pessimist says that the glass is half empty. An optimist says that the glass is half half full. An engineer says that the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. (laughs) Just for the engineers in the room. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. So, this new series... Like I said, interfacing and what that means, and I want to get into 1 Peter chapter 2 with the scripture reading, but 1 Peter chapter 2, the verse, first verse of 1 Peter chapter 2 actually has a therefore in it, and so whenever you see a therefore in the scripture, you need to figure out what it's there for, and it's there for whatever happened before it so that you understand it's a connected thought it's it's goes on so a therefore in the scripture is very important it's not just oh therefore it's therefore and it means whatever happened before is connected with this next thought so uh, in order to make sure we hold this in context i want to start our scripture reading back in 1st peter chapter 1 verse 18 and then uh, and then i'm going to pick it up from there so here it goes for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, Now that's the First Peter, uh, the end of First Peter, and that's the therefore that we'll read about in a minute. He's saying, remember that, that I we just wrote to you because of that. And I, I believe that those verses are, are sort of a great picture of what we've done over the last few weeks here in talking about Jesus' display for us um, uh, uh, and the events leading up to and including His death and His resurrection and His command for us to love God all in, to love our neighbors ourselves. Um, which is really what I think is the underlying thought of what Peter just gave us there in in First uh, Peter uh, at the end of chapter 1. So sort of with that in mind, in that context in mind, in the series we just finished in mind, um, let's continue on in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. There's the therefore. Therefore, because of all those things, because of that whole thing of what Jesus has done, that your faith is in Him, that you find life in Him, and He wants you to love God all in and love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice... And all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the living stone... And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, so um, in this series, we're going to be really concentrating in on 1 Peter chapter 2, um, those first 12 verses or so, and... Um, all that they mean to us so the first point in your notes is this is that you know we talk about this all the time but it's about living by trying to do the next right thing and certainly that's a part of this idea of interfacing 1 Peter 2.12 this is out of the message says live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when He arrives I just like the way it was written in the paraphrase in the NIV it's a little rough because it says you know live, live a, a good life among the pagans and that sort of has a bad context I think when we I, I, you know it, it, it's kind of, it can be dismissive now if we're not careful when we talk about unbelievers as pagans and uh, you know I, I like to think I think a better term natives is okay I think a better term is pre-christian that gives me some hope in that so, so we're to live lives um, among pre-christians that, that sort of are, are helpful in this process but let me say this too, because this is important. None of us are going to live perfect lives, and, and uh, because we don't, we've talked about that, we're all going to make mistakes, we're going to choose to do things that aren't maybe the best choice at the time. We have to know that when we do, we can go running to God, and He loves us, and He gives us a brand new start. And that's the only way we can even begin this um, idea of living by trying to do the next right thing, or else it becomes performance and once you move into performance, you're going to get hard-hearted and cold, and you're not going to make a difference um, in, in the very life that we've been called to in Christ. Um, but there's this fairly popular saying in the, in the Christian world, um, and I've, I've read it, and I've heard it, and I may even have said it, um, and it's commonly attributed to Francis of Assisi, and this is the phrase, maybe if you've been around, you've heard it, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Have you ever heard that? Now, here's, here's the thing, it, and I think the idea behind it, it's basically a good idea, that, that we should live our lives in a way that, that sort of helps point people to Jesus. The problem with the saying, though, is this, and I, I researched this heavily, um, there's no record of Francis ever saying it or writing it anywhere. I researched everywhere. Um, so it doesn't look like it's, although it's attributed to Francis, if it's not in any of his writings, none of his guys ever talk about it, um, it should show up somewhere. He doesn't even say anything close. And... The, the thing is that um, Francis of Assisi was in a preaching order, um, and he was known for being an eloquent preacher. And, and so it doesn't even sort of equate to his life in the process, the, the idea of use words if necessary. See, that's the sort of catching point. And the other point is that's not really even biblical. Um, um, because uh, see, see, living by trying to do the next right thing certainly helps us and that it should um, give us sort of some credibility perhaps when we go to share with others or or, um, open some doors along the way. But the verbal communication of the gospel is the way that people are brought into relationship with God. So the reality is that words are always necessary. Always. So it's not just when, it's, it's always, that's how people hear. Paul makes this point in Romans 10, very clearly. Romans ten thirteen through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are their feet. Of those who bring good news. I've always thought that was an interesting verse, how beautiful are the feet. He's actually quoting from Isaiah at that point, Isaiah 52, 7, so I included it. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So um, words are extremely Necessary, In, in fact, it's, it's the only way. People can't get saved without the gospel being communicated to them according to Paul. And what Peter tells us, and, and that's we're going to build all these things in together in this series, is the second point, is that you're chosen to tell. You have been chosen everyone 's been chosen to tell first Peter two nine you were a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, a people for god 's own possession. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and so if we 're going to be a people that that help other people connect to god, if we 're actually going to be an interface in this process with what we 're called to we 're going to have to use. Words, and the words that we have to use are known as the gospel or the good news now, because uh, I think uh, see what I want to do over this th- series is is help you sort of um, um, have words when they're, when their opportunity arises that that communicate the good news because I think sometimes we make it way more complex than it needs to be, and it 's actually a very simple process because all the hard stuff 's been done. By God for us. But the the heart of the good news is in these verses in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6. Paul says this, "...for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance." That's, That's what this is, the gospel, the good news. "...Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures." That, in effect, is the entirety of the gospel, the good news. That's it. That's the, that's the stuff that people got to get. That's what they got to understand. That's what needs to be conveyed to them in ways that it sort of makes sense. Um, I included the rest of the verse because uh, it says, uh, then it goes on and says that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. I like people to hear that part because you need to know that this event, this good news, this gospel, Jesus going Going to the cross, dying for us, defeating death and rising again was witnessed by hundreds of people who were alive at the time of this writing. So it's, there's eyewitness testimony not just one eyewitness or two eyewitnesses hundreds of eyewitnesses who understand that this took place. And, and eyewitness testimony if, if you know is the, 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 the best testimony that's going on out there. All right. So, so here we have eyewitness testimony of this major, major event in our lives, the good news. Um, and, and that's the heart of it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. If anybody asks you, what's the gospel message? Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And, and then he, he died. Um, for our, and then he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again, and according to the scriptures. And so um, there's all this prophetic stuff that happens before it happens, and then he fulfills it all, and that's what's going on in our lives. Um, how we communicate that is, is sort of a little different. But again, doesn't need to be overly difficult. It needs to be explained um, and shared in a way that makes a difference. Now, in order to get there, and this is what we're going to start with a couple of practical things today, and again, this whole series will be about what this looks like. So, sort of preparing to proclaim is this third point, uh, and, and just some stuff we can start working on immediately in this process. 1 Peter 2 1. Rid yourselves then of all evil, no more lying, or hypocrisy, or jealousy, or insulting language. So, there you go, just stop. <laughs> Stop it. Um, here's here's the thing. We can use our words to build people up, or we can use our words to tear people down. And the power of words is such an amazing thing. I I've talked about this before, but but you need to know. You know, and I've told you that childhood saying "sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me" is so not true. Words can impact you for your entire life. Um, um, many people struggle under words that were spoken to them by people of authority in their lives when they were younger and they still live under the oppressive, um, almost demonic uh, activity that those words brought into their life. And they haven't shaken them yet um, and they still are shaping the way that people live Um, because um, they they were spoken into with words that weren't true and yet they took them in as true because of the people that spoke to them so sometimes parents spoke words in that just weren't true and were hurtful and did sometimes it might have, been a, might have been a teacher or might have been an older brother or sister or a relative of some sort or someone that had some type of authority um, you, know, you know position who should have been doing nothing but speaking words of encouragement in life because of their own brokenness and you know we can go ahead and make but because of their own brokenness did something different And those words seem to be the words that go in and stick. And so people were told they would never make it, they would never amount to anything, that they they were unattractive somehow or they weren't very bright or whatever. And and usually it's worth much harsher terms than that. And those words went deep in and they've been there their whole lives. And and they've been living out of that instead of understanding um, how... God speaks to them about how much He loves them and how capable they are and how loved they are and how cherished they are and how wonderful they are and that they're His workmanship and His poema and all. Those are the words that need to be put into people but oftentimes these other words are there. And so um, as we begin to start thinking about being people that are, are called to tell, we are actually been you know, chosen to tell. That's what the, the verse says. We have to be aware of the power of our words and we need to make sure that we're using them um, to encourage and to build up and to bless we always want to start using our words wisely so that when the opportunity to share the words of good news happen people will be able to receive them so you can't you can't sort of um, keep having all this mess spew out of you and then at the same time you know all of a sudden then oh well here and, and you know do you know like like you're really not very bright can I tell you about Jesus? Um <laughs> It's not real effective. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And yet sometimes we sort of live that way. We sort of get in this habit of just kind of bleh. And then then we wonder why our words lack impact. So we need to choose our words for good. So what we have to do sometimes, and this is part of getting ready to proclaim, preparing to proclaim, is sometimes what we have to learn to do is, is, this is the fourth thing, and sometimes you just really got to bite your tongue. Uh, I, I think and I actually mean that um, it's pretty good practice when something's about to bubble out that just shouldn't eh, just choke it back and, and in Ephesians uh, Paul says this in chapter 4 29 to 32 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth any but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, there's a connection between unwholesome stuff and, and actually grieving the Holy Spirit. And I think it's this idea of um, so powerful are the words. You, you know, when God spoke, I mean, everything was created with words. You know what I mean? He just spoke it into being. And, and you know, as, as people created in the image of God... There's tremendous power in our words, and it's 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 almost like it's almost like that. It's sort of creative in nature. That when you speak into people, words of life, they're they're extremely powerful. The problem is if you go in the other direction, it has equally powerful to just tear people apart. And so, um, we're to we're to become people. It goes on, and he says this: get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander along with every form of malice. And what we're to become is kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the, the work that, that we need to cooperate with the Spirit in. And I think we can get there. I mean, I, I think you can sort of begin to see those things that come on you and, and you have to start asking yourself, well, why is it that sometimes I want to be snarky or sarcastic or edgy or, um, uh, you know, unkind um to in in my words why is it that i I seem to sometimes you know, be, be drawn to gossip or, or to talk about people that aren't present you know, in ways that sort of in a, in, you know, illegitimately build me up um, in, while we're putting you know, people down. Why is that stuff in there? And it's usually there's something in you that, that you need to just get with the Lord about. And, and uh, there's a bitterness inside you or there's a frustration inside you or, or maybe you're still laboring under words that hurt you and you haven 't f- sort of been freed from that yet as as who you are in the Lord and what that means and 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 instead you know always sort of thinking about how to be kind to others, how to be compassionate, how to how to forgive well in the process as we 've been forgiven and I have this this little test I, I actually shared this on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but I, i'd like to get it out there because I think it 's really, really important three little things that can help you in this this whole thing about about getting your words right. Um, little letter A under there. Always ask yourself this. Is what I'm saying true? Is, is it true? Is what I'm saying true? If it's not true, don't say it. And, and if you don't know it to be true, don't say it. Point in, in Case in point, that saying that I started with from Assisi, uh, I think the first time I ever heard it, I went, it's so cool, I never checked it out. And, now, and then all of a sudden I'm like, uh-oh, I, I, can't, I don't know for a fact that's true. In fact, it's kind of not biblical and it, you can't find it anywhere. Sounds good, but may actually not be attributed to him or whatever. The idea is not bad, but, but you get that words are always necessary. So, so we have to start at, you know, at a deeper level is what I'm saying true. So, so I mean, that should eliminate immediately gossip. Because there's no reason to say it anyway, but it's, you know, this, it's just so bad that it's so sort of illegitimately seductive, that whole idea of gossip. We've got to shut it down. Stop it. Um, if you're not sure if it's not true, don't say it. Don't pass it along. Don't pass it along in an email. Um, stop it with you. If it's not true, don't say it. That'll, be, that'll, that'll, that'll go a long ways. Second, B. Is it helpful? Is what you're about to say helpful in any way to anybody? Um, is it helpful? Are you speaking to build the person up that you're, you're talking to? Um, and, and does it does it need to be said? Do you know how many... I often realize how often stuff that I'm about to say does, just doesn't need to be said. There's no really reason to say it. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, I press through and say it anyway. And then I think, well, that really didn't need to be said. I could have just kind of sat on that and everybody would have been better off, particularly me. <laughs> um, because you know once they're out there they're out there and and, uh and you know you know one of my pet peeves never start off a sentence with i don't mean to be rude but just don't do it that absolutely does not need to be i promise you whatever it is you're about to say does not need to be said just doesn't and then you know the the letter c this is is it loving is what i'm about to say loving is it loving Are they loving? Are they they motivated by love for the person that you're talking to or is there another motivation, whether it be anger, frustration or vengeance? If it's any of those other things and you know what those things, bite your tongue. Just don't say it. Our words should bring life to people. They should encourage. They should inspire. They should calm Sometimes they should challenge people, but always, you know, truth spoken in love, tempering our words with kindness and compassion, grace and mercy, and and we prepare to proclaim by making this our habit, so that when the opportunities arise to proclaim good news, to tell good news to somebody, they're able to be received because they're used to hearing words that bring life from us and not something else. So that's just sort of an intro. We're going to dig into this quite deeply uh, in the weeks ahead and what it looks like to act as an interface um, between the kingdom of God and a lost world that desperately needs to make that connection with God. And so we'll be looking at that together in the weeks ahead. Uh, if you're watching on video or television, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website or give us a call. We'd be happy to pray for you. We hope to see you here sometime soon. Have a great day and God bless you.